Good afternoon or evening or morning or whatever it is, wherever you are right now. And welcome to another episode of Mets Across the Pod. I am joined today by Les. Hello, Les. Hello, Tracy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And of course, Mr. Tate, how are you? Good afternoon. I'm fine. Thank you, Tracy. Good, good. And we have a special guest with us today. We have Tim Ryder from Metsmerized and Simply Amazing Podcast. Hello, Tim. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. How's lockdown life treating you? Oh, not so bad. I'm, I'm sort of a homebody as it is. So uh, me and my wife, Heather, and my two daughters kind of just hanging out. We're enjoying a very nice day here in New York. Clear skies, just beautiful. Yeah, the only thing we're missing is baseball. <laughs> That's right. Uh, having a catch in the backyard just hasn't been cutting it. Have you been watching any old games or international baseball to sort of fill the void? Yeah, I, I watched a little bit this morning, um, old Saturday morning here in New York. Uh, who is that? The uh, the Rackets and Monkeys, which I always get a kick out of. I think that's fun. Oh, the Korean uh, League. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 I guess, yeah, the Korean League. Uh, I guess they're a division of Chinese professional baseball. That's the hats that the umpires wear. I, I get a little confused. But really, uh, it's, uh, you know, fun. you see this step down, I guess, in the level of play. But I love the pitching. A bunch of junk ball pitchers, lots of off-speed stuff. <laughs> and location, location is key. No, really, I, mean, I, I get a kick out of that. It's, it's sort of more of uh, the art of pitching as opposed to just blowing batters away. Yeah, there's yeah. not too much stress in the speed gun there. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get my uh, my calculator out to do my kilometers to miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a bit about Metsmerized, how you got involved, how the podcast started, things like that. Well, um, I guess I was originally writing about the San Diego Padres for uh, Fan Sided. And oh. uh, I, the, you know, the opportunity came along to write about the Mets. And uh, Mike Mayer, originally, who's the ex- executive editor over at MMO, he offered me a position there. And you know, I worked my way up. They made me a senior writer last last year. And uh, really, just just having a blast. Um, you know, we try to have our keep our, our fingers on the pulse of the fan base. Uh, we do what we can to, you know, give up-to-date news reports. Um, you know, all the credit goes to the beat reporters because without them, you know, we wouldn't have uh, a whole lot to write about as far mm-hmm. as uh, supporting players and such. But they, they are really, truly appreciated up and down the line. The podcast, I mean... I guess I was a guest on, I'm not sure if you folks are familiar with Andrew Claudio. Mm, Doesn't ring a bell. He's our producer now, but he was actually, uh, I was his co-host last season. And uh, he was moving away from the podcasting side as far as doing Mets stuff. And he asked if I wanted to take over the show, and I did. And Metsmerized and uh, and Joe D over at Metsmerized were kind enough to... to to bring Simply Amazing onto the uh, the roster. And yeah, we're really having a blast. Excellent. Yeah, he's excellent. Oh, yeah. The whole team is great, man. Up and down. I mean, we have uh, a lot of journalism students who are well-versed in, I guess, the uh, behind-the-scenes editing and stuff like that. And really, everyone's just top-notch. It's a terrific team. Uh, we all get along. We did a little uh, get-together at City Field last summer, and, and that was fun. Hopefully, we'll get to do that again at some point this year. Fingers crossed. Yeah, and you have some yeah. of them on the pod as well, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, Jacob Lesnick usually comes on to yep. a bunch of minds to talk with us. Uh, Matt Brownstein, who, uh-huh. uh, he's been he's been really just a blast to come on. He does some great interviews for Metsmerized. Uh, yeah. If you folks are familiar with the website, any of the listeners, MetsmerizedOnline.com. And uh, really, he's he's had a, a string of just some terrific interviews. But yeah, they, you know, just uh, an all-star team, I like. Well, David and I were featured on your website not too long ago. That's right. Yeah. Michelle. Yeah, Michelle's article, yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michelle Iona, she's um, terrific. Yeah. She, she's been a, a really strong addition. And uh, really, just uh, there's no weak links. It's, it's really uh, it's a, it's a, fun, a fun team. Yeah, and you've had some great guests on there as well. It's, um, it is a great pod, and people should check it out. If um, I mean, there's, there's no excuse for not listening to your podcast now. Just go on Apple or whatever platform, and you just look for Simply Amazing and uh, catch up on some of the back episodes, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, uh, you know, we try to keep it current. There's not mm-hmm. a whole bunch of news to uh, <laughs> to really chat about now, so we kind of take what we can get, and we've had some other discussions regarding, I guess, the 20, uh, excuse me, the 2000 team. I guess we're hoping to incorporate a, a all-time kind of series of episodes where we go position by position, but we shall see. Uh, but yeah, we're just having some fun trying to pass the time until we get some uh, some actual content to write about and, and part about. So if you could have one person who's like a dream guest on your podcast, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, my first instinct is to say David Wright. Um, yeah. Just to pick his brain about the, the game itself, his approach to, to being such a an important part to the fabric of the franchise. And a close second would have to be Mike Piazza because he did the same thing. <laughs> Generational same players. Age. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same age as David, right? So, you know, growing up and watching him lead the Mets, someone who's the same age as me was pretty cool in one part. But, you know, as a kid, for at least for me, it was Mike Piazza. So, again, just to, uh, to, to get inside his brain a little bit about the atmosphere within the clubhouse, the... I guess the the, the battle of a, of a full season, uh, living up to the hype of New York. Uh, yeah, that, you, know, you guys got me going. I, I would certainly have a, a list of questions for both. Yeah, and, and certainly the, the players like Piazza and Wright, they both had been with the team during the great good times when we won tenants and uh, during the bad times when they were a bit together together. So, I mean, they've seen the team from their worst to their best, so through, the, through them years. Oh, sure. I, you know what? I would also like to talk to Terry Collins at some point, just because I, yeah. I was a very yeah. big fan. Um, and I swear, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bring up Matt Harvey staying in the game. I wouldn't even, t- I wouldn't even touch it. I would just kind of want to... Because, I mean, as a manager, he was so fun to watch. I think that he got the most out of his players. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a huge part. The motivation factor and the and the and the keeping everybody happy factor is a, is an underspoken part of being a manager these days. Uh, and I think Terry excelled at that. And I'd like to know more about that. How about you guys? Well, who was your dream guest? I'll shoot one back at you. I would say probably David Wright would be pretty much ideal, the perfect. You know, I mean, he would be the he's the one guy that we all can relate to, the one guy that we've all watched over the last few years, a uh, captain of the club. I mean, definitely David Wright for one. Yeah, I think it would have to be David for me as well. He's the one that made me fall in love with the game. Um, he's just his positive attitude and his win regardless attitude and his just leading of the teams what made me fall in love with the game. Mm. Well, another guy that uh, I would love to actually hear from a lot more is uh, John Franco. I mean, there's a kid that grew up in, uh, in the New York area, I think Brooklyn, wasn't it? Uh, played for his hometown. Staten Island uh, played for his hometown club St John's grad so I mean yeah definitely we'll love to hear from John Franco more for sure mm. because you lot have got David Wright I'm going to go for Howie alright I'd love to have him on. <laughs> that's an excellent oh book. the yeah. stories he could tell oh yeah I'm pretty sure he has a book coming out and uh, that's got to be chock full of some terrific stories uh, that's, a, oh. that's a definite buy mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. okay. I think so have you seen him on Twitter <laughs> yes what an entertaining <laughs> follow <laughs> honestly plays well honestly plays very well with this fan base and Howie I don't think he can help me but, but be honest 
Exactly. Yeah. 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 Does that? Does anybody else read how he tweets and how his voice in their mind? Because <laughs> everybody yes. reads one of how he tweets in his voice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the beauty of it. I think that's yeah. that he's mm. doing Twitter correctly. Yeah, and yeah. it's, yes. uh, it's very authentic, Cowie. Yeah, which is that bit of a gap that we're missing the, the, the broadcast yeah. teams and the, the game. And it's just sort of that yeah. every day that we sort of keep us going. <laughs> I like Keith on Twitter as well, Keith and Haji. I mean, he, that that's fun. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Keith's another legend for this fan base and this franchise. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, at times he seems so cool and modest about it, but he knows that he knows the weight that he carries, and it's very fun to see him kind of embrace that. So, have you ever been to the UK? No, I have never been overseas. Really? Well, no. I the, the furthest I've gone was to Bermuda, which was uh, we went on a cruise when I was a teen. That's, that's pretty much the furthest I've gone. I went to Mexico once too. So, do you follow a soccer team at all, or is it not something that's on your radar? No, actually. Um, my mother is a first generation. Um, her her parents, my grandparents, are from Sicily, and uh, my grandmother was a very very big Juventus fan. <laughs> so that was kind of ingrained in me early on. I do follow, and I do enjoy that it's gotten bigger here in the states in uh, in my lifetime. Because back in '94, I mean, my grandfather pretty much sat me and my brother down and said, "Watch this." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the World Cup in '94. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah they're trying so hard to get us to one of those uh, to the giant stadium. Yeah, yeah he was trying so hard. I think the Republic of Ireland played Italy at Giant Stadium, didn't they, that year? I believe so. I think so. It was a pretty big match over here. Yeah, uh, who was it for Italy? Uh, Roberto Baggio. <laughs> yeah, Baggio. Yeah, penalty <laughs> over the over the crossbar. That was it. Yeah, and I think Ray Houghton for for Ireland scored an absolute what they call over here a screamer of a goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then so yeah, there's some memories there. Oh, so yeah. uh, Tim, what's the uh, feel like on the ground at the minute? As far as are we going to get a season, and what kind of season do you think we'll get? From what I'm hearing, and this is pretty much across the board, everybody's really is very motivated to, to get a season played this season this year. As far as how it's going to look, uh, I think that's anybody's guess at this point. Uh, I think it's pretty much consensus that there's going to be no fans in the stands, uh, yeah. at least at the start and. I mean, in my opinion, I don't see that changing for this season. But mm. We'll see. Really, if they can get a season started on Fourth of July, which some some people are are, are pointing to as a as a target date, um, I think that they can get in a hundred games. Yeah, a number of double headers. Uh, the seasons likely, or the postseason, I should say, will likely go into uh, <laughs> at least you know the Thanksgiving late November time time frame. Uh, whether they have a World Series at a neutral site, a warm weather site, uh, Miami, Los Angeles, something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, you know, the options are there. Just uh, I think safety has to be uh, uh, the number one concern. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they've got, a, they've got a lot of sorting out on that front if it's going to go ahead. Lots of things to sort out. What are your thoughts on the proposed realignment that sort of falls into that? I, I guess tra- travel is such a... Um, an important part of this because that kind of mm. that's where everybody's going to be exposed and you have to be extra careful of uh, outside exposure so you know if it's going to limit travel times and if it's going to limit the, the amount of exposure to players and staff and such i'm all for it and i'm sure i'm pretty excited to see the yankees and the mets in the same division <laughs> See, it's, it's actually one of the, the fears that I have this real aim is that the ownership might like it too much and maybe in future seasons when all this is passed and we're back to normal that uh, maybe the, the American League and the National League as they currently are could be 
uh, days could be numbered. You have to imagine that's probably the next logical step. I mean, after so long of having such a divide between the two leagues uh, and then incorporating uh, interleague play in, into the, I guess, into the fray, um, that's, you know, just from a fan's perspective, that's become a little bit stale in my mind. Um, if you're going to do it, do it all the way in my head. Mm-hmm. And if realignment kind of goes along with that, and even going back to the pre-wildcard era when there was just two divisions in, in each uh, in each league and, you know, work it out from there. And if you have to add other wildcard teams, do what you have to. But, you know, I- I'm certainly open to change. Um, I- I'm, I'm a big proponent of the universal designated hitter which i believe would kind of go hand in hand with a move like that yeah um and it's not that i don't like seeing pitchers hitting i just don't think we'd miss it all that much and and for a long time i i kind of lean the other way but uh you know i don't mind it if pitchers gonna go one for ten with with the occasional exciting base hit or home run you know that's cool but it's not a necessary part of the game in my mind See, I've always been a, growing up with the game more as a traditionalist. I've loved the event, the, <laughs> the American and the National League. I loved it when they never played each other apart from in the World Series. Same uh, here. But as time has moved on now is the only problem with that. And interleague play as it is is definitely stale. I, I reckon if they ever went around down the lines of geographics, then definitely it's a universal DH. Yeah, I think one kind of follows on from the other. If you're going to make the rules same for both leagues, then sort of blend the leagues, if you like. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I love the days when there was real pennant races. When I, there was the last real pennant race, I think was in '92 or '91. I think the, the Braves beat the Giants. They both teams won 100 games, but the Giants ended up setting out the postseason. Whereas nowadays they'd have been in. So uh, the, oh, the, yeah. kind of, them kind of pennant races were so exciting, and especially back in the golden age of uh, baseball in the '50s, uh, when the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Giants were going at it year on year every year just to try and win that one spot at the World Series. Usually to get beat by the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it, uh, we, ha- we do have that one-off year with the current alignment that you do see, you know, maybe six teams or five teams or, or you know, a, a nice size uh, handful of teams uh, competing for, whether it be a divisional spot, competing for the number of, of wild card spots. But, you know, pre-1994 when... You know, there were 15 teams or, or 14 teams in a league, and you had seven teams or, or four out of those seven teams all competing for a division title. Uh, yeah, from my childhood, I, I remember that, you know, distinctly. And that was yeah. a, a very exciting. And, you know, for, for MLB, they're all about that. They just yeah. want, um, they want eyes on screens. That's all. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> I always thought the worst thing they did with the divisions was, uh, was create the original wild card, uh, because you would end up with situations where, uh, Come into the last week of the season, and the division champion on wildcard would both have already qualified, so they wouldn't really be throwing their best guys out there. Uh, but then the best thing they did was add the second wildcard, was to put more emphasis on the division and having to win your division to, uh, to give yourself that there space so you didn't have to play that one playing game. For sure, I think it comes down to splits. I know the Yankees took advantage of that a couple of times, um, I think last decade. Uh, yeah, they would, that's right. Whether it was confirmed or not, but. You know, maybe they didn't want to play the the Tigers, who had their number for 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 a few years there, uh, and they would you know maybe take take their foot off the gas or what what have you. The the, the opportunity was there, and I'm sure that uh, ruffled some feathers. Yep. <laughs> what do you think about the rumors that are going around for the potential changes in ownership? Is there one that you prefer out of the the names that are currently being voiced? Well, you have to think that Steve Cohen is the uh, the ideal candidate um just you know he's got to keep his pockets out of a bunch so i'll have to go with him 
I, I, I'm certainly intrigued by the uh, the team of Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez, and if they want to bring in another investor, you know, anything is going to be better than the situation as it is now. Um, and you know, that's the Will Ponds operate their business the way they do, and that's that's their thing. And you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and and kill that because that's a a bit of a dead horse at this point. But it's just, it's time for a change. Everybody's ready for a change. It seems like mm. most of the ownership group was ready for a change and things fell through. So, you know, has the situation gone from wanting to sell to needing to sell? Possibly. Um, is that going to put the potential buyer in a much more favorable position heading into this uh, negotiation period? Most likely. But, um, you know, it's, it's time for a change. I think that's the gist. Everybody needs new blood. I think that there's so much potential to turn. It's a New York ball club. I mean, this is the biggest market, and arguably in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. yep. You know, to to not be going for championships at full war every year is just it's almost a wasted opportunity. You look across town at the Yankees, and uh, you know we saw them go into quote unquote rebuild for one year, and what happened? They had Aaron Judge just explode out of nowhere, and and they, all right, we're not rebuilding anymore. We're good to go. Yeah. You know, they've been doing this consistently for almost 30 years now. So I've only, I've only been full in on the, the Mets since about 2013, and I'm ready for a change. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, David. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing it much longer than that, my friend. Yeah. And, and it's wearing on me. My, my grays are coming in pretty thick, and they're, they've come a little too early. If you, if you were to put a percentage on the chances of a sale uh, anytime soon, what would you put on it? If reports are true that capital calls are being made and the ownership group is having trouble um, they're responding to those calls, you have to imagine things are going to be uh, moving along swimmingly. Uh, and again, that's that's more of a, a necessity than anything else. Selling while the uh, during this COVID-19 crisis... Uh, you know, I'm sure nobody on the selling side wants that to happen because they're going to, you know, they're going to lose a lot of leverage. They're going to lose a lot of money, uh, mm. more money than they've already lost by the having <laughs> Cohen deal fall out. I could see something happening before the end of the calendar year. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked. That would be good. It's, it's just it's just a shame the Cohen deal originally fell through because uh, it was basically the second block of them right was just the fact that the, uh, the Wilpons wanted to stay on for five more years, even though Cohen would own the team technically. Was that right? It's something along those lines. Uh, I guess the exact nature of the breakdown was never truly released. Uh, I guess both sides have come out with their stories. Uh, Cohen apparently wasn't happy with that five-year transition plan. Um, I know it. apparently Cohen tried to renegotiate certain other aspects of the deal at the last minute. So, you know, both sides, I'm sure, have their grievances, but... We we will probably never know exactly what happened. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Cohen come back back into the picture, though. I I say I was a clean break. He will for sure. Uh, yeah, fingers if, crossed. It's uh, if he's taken over, and then that's just the well pawns are gone. Then that's well, that would well, definitely work. Yeah, well, I mean, who who else would really have the money to pony up at this? Mm. You know, in this economy. Yeah, yeah. Billion dollar baseball team. Who's your favorite player currently and from the past? Oh boy. That is a good one. All right, we'll, we'll start all time, and this one changes at, at certain points, but I believe Gary Carter was probably my all-time favorite Met growing up. Yeah. And again, David Wright's in there, Piazza's in there. Uh, I love David Cohn. David Cohn was, 
he was my guy when I was a kid, man. Oh, he was. I was so upset when they moved when they traded him. Oh, I was so upset. Yeah, he, for a couple of years there, he was absolutely unhittable. Say he was during the late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, just a joy to watch. And really, I can I can list off a dozen on the current team. I mean, everybody loves Degrom, and there's no reason not to like him. I think we're all watching greatness there. Mm. Uh, same thing goes for Alonzo. He's just been a treat. Um, pretty much the exact type of player on and off the field that we that we've been longing for since David Wright hung him up and uh, yeah. just perfect timing. But I'm going to go with Jeff McNeil because Jeff McNeil's arguably one of the best hitters I've ever seen do his do his thing at the plate. And uh, I was a big Tony Gwynn fan growing up. So I, I can get into the story how, but it's a long story. But <laughs> I was a big Tony Gwynn fan growing up, and uh, and Jeff McNeil's the closest I've thing I, I've seen to just bat on ball skills yeah. that even come close to him and it's yeah, well, been so fun well Gwyn's the greatest purest hitter I've ever seen in my time watching the game and definitely uh, McNeil's taking a, st- a step from his book anyway oh for sure yeah I guess Keith Hernandez was my uh, I'm a left handed hitter and uh, Keith Hernandez was my guy when I was growing up and my dad said watch him watch him and then <laughs> him, and, him and Gary Carter were both gone within a couple of days of each other and uh, I asked my dad, I'm, I'm only a little kid. I was like seven. I said, well, who do I watch now? And he's like, well, Tony Gwynn's the next best left-handed hitter I could, I could think of. And, of course, we can't watch the San Diego Padres in, in New York. So I did what any kid in the early 90s did. I went to, the, uh, went to the library, and I looked at microfiche. And I said, oh, I can make my hips do that. Oh, I can make my hands do that. <laughs> you know, we, we did the best we could. It's funny, it was, it's a similar experience here in the UK growing up uh, watching baseball because over here we didn't get many TV broadcasts of the game back then, uh, back in the 80s and early 90s. So we were sort of just having to make do with going to uh, the library, getting books, doing whatever we could and sort of listening to old Armed Forces radio broadcasts and that kind of thing of the games. So it's a kind of similar experience almost to you guys listening to somebody from the West Coast as it was for us listening to somebody over there in the States listening, oh, sure. uh, picking up games. Most definitely. Now, that, that's my question for you guys is... How is baseball, where is its stature in the UK? I guess, is it comparable to how soccer is here? Or is it even, is it more obscure as to say maybe rugby would be here? I would say probably closer yeah. to rugby there. Because uh, okay. the MLS is getting pretty big. I, I've noticed a lot of silver shirts when I'm in New York nowadays. So I would definitely say probably in the rugby stature at the minute. But it has grown in the last couple of years faster than I can ever remember it. Which uh, has, has really surprised me. Especially with the London series now. Or at least right, was. I was going to ask. Did, did, did the London series between the Yankees and the Red Sox last year really kind of ignite that? or? It did, because uh, what happened was you would get all these uh, small pockets of fans like us, for instance, whereas we used to be all divided and separated all over the country. Uh, although it's not a big country, we were still, there wasn't too many of us about. But what you saw was the communities coming together, the fan groups that like ours was forming. Uh, you saw that for like every major league team. And now all over Twitter, you've got like these UK groups sort of supporting their teams and they've got link-ups and connections with their uh, their parent clubs, like the big clubs, like getting sort of some wee bit of support for the Mets and that kind of thing to help promote the game over here. That's so cool. Yeah, um, the guys at MLB UK community have tried to sort of foster a real community based on all the teams in the Major League. When we went to the London series, I think I saw pretty much every shirt there. I would say it, it's small, but it's growing. Yeah. Excellent. That's why we needed 2020 to happen because that was the the starting 
place for for it to grow in the UK. And now not not having the London series this year, it's it's going to hurt a bit. Actually, it's going to hurt the growth. Oh sure, yeah. it kind of stops that momentum, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and um, there were people sort of sat around where me and my husband were sat that had obviously never been to a game, didn't know much about the game, but they were there to try and learn and to sort of capture the moment. Oh, sure. And that's oh. cool. I mean, I guess the NFL tried to do the same thing, and they've been doing the same thing. Have you seen that kind of grow? Uh, it's. I would say we're at baseballs at the, the moment here, where the NFL was probably in the 90s. That's encouraging. Yeah, that, it's very encouraging uh, because – there was a sort of the golden period of the NFL here in the late 80s and early 90s when they brought teams over for exhibition games and pre-season games. Uh, and then, obviously, the NFL Europe started. And I remember that. It, I remember yeah. NFL Europe well. Yeah, it, it came and went. Mm. And then, of course, they, they started with international series, which I've just heard today has been cancelled for this year, which is not surprising. Uh, but, yeah, I think with baseball already at that point where they're having international series in the UK, I think it can only get bigger and bigger now. I know the NFL, with the way the league works and with only being 16 games, you can have a franchise possibly in London. And it's all likely that baseball will ever be able to have a franchise like anywhere over in Europe. But it's nice to see that there's a possibility that every year or every other year we can see games here on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. And baseball's big in countries like the Netherlands and yeah. things like that. So Italy, even if yeah. it doesn't come to the UK... The Netherlands is like an hour's flight. It's doable. That's great. And that's, see, that's something that I guess as an American, we, I can't really wrap my head around is that you have, we have two bordering countries. We have Canada going north and we have Mexico going south and they're, you know, hundreds and thousands of miles away from most of us. Um, you know, you folks are a hop, skip and jump away from another country. That's just, you know, from an American point of view, it's just, I'll never get my head around that. <laughs> well, we used to be a hop, skip, and a jump away, but not anymore. <laughs> yes, we now, now, David, we don't do politics. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your personal favorite Mets moment, Tim? Uh, Johan Santana's no hitter, top of the list. I just watched that game the other day again, so I did it. I never actually saw it at the time, but uh, I actually watched it the other day, and it was, uh, it was quite amazing just to see that they're finally getting one after all them years. The team oh, yeah. man. Francis finally getting that no D- Didn't one of you guys just miss out on seeing that? Okay. Yeah, that was me. Was that you? Yeah. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were just flying back that day, weren't you, or something? Uh, it was two days before we were due to fly out, I think. Oh, right. Oh. You guys were in the States, and I'm sure you saw a few games, right? Yeah. Um, myself and my husband, we're really big Mets fans. We try and come over a couple of times a year. Um, oh, nice. I'm, I'm meant to be in New York at the moment. <laughs> we were meant to fly over yesterday. So, oh, no. Yeah. So, not a happy bunny. <laughs> I usually try and go over at least maybe once a year for a series. Uh, usually around the latter part of the year there's always try to uh, time up for a pennant race hopefully uh, I haven't been that lucky yet but uh, I did manage to get the, the David Wright's final game a couple of years ago so that was a, a real treat oh that was a that was a a, a a memorable night for sure yeah that was uh, one of the best nights ever oh I wish I, so I wish I was I wish I connected with you guys before that we were also there that night yeah I, I was also there for the Wilma Flores no crying in baseball game oh that's <laughs> see that's that's right up there that's that was a a, a catalyst a, a catalyst moment of the season 
Yeah, and I was like 15 rows back from the Mets dugout, so I could hear everything that the fans were saying to Wilma and his little face. He was just like, oh, oh, I want to give him a cuddle and make it all better. <laughs> oh. oh, see, that's see, that's something that, you know, 99.9% of Mets fans will never know. I guess it will never kind of experience the intimacy that you had with that situation. That is very cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we managed to get cheap tickets for that game, so yeah. Oh, at the right times, Mets tickets are, uh, are yeah. can usually be found pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah. that's the beauty of this club. <laughs> but when when they're good, when they're good, forget about it. Uh, yeah. I watched that Wilma crying uh, saga um, at home in the middle of the night on my own, and uh, that's, that's one of the um, that's one of the story stories uh, uh, in baseball that that really sort of hooked me just all in on baseball from that time on that was just an amazing story I thought they're going to make a film of this oh they should <laughs> but Hollywood's going to make a film about this about the, the whole crying and then it, then the uh, and I also watched the uh, the game with, when he uh, did the walk off after that it was just incredible yeah. oh what a what a just a uh, a, a just a string of terrific mm. moments yeah that yeah. was a, a, a night later wasn't they had the, the walk off two nights two nights later mm. yeah yeah because uh, and it was part of the is it the five days in Flushing documentary that they show on SMY yep. from time to time. That's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and the team went in that run then after that there with and, and took it away. Oh, yeah. that was magical! Absolutely yeah. magical. And it all started at that one moment. <laughs> it really did. It really <laughs> yeah. did. It, if you look back on it, it, it you know the traction was gained right there. You could you could mm. pinpoint it exactly. Mm. It's just so cool. Do you have any sort of game day routines, superstitions, anything like that at all? Are you one of those sorts of fans? Um, you know, as far as your everyday uh, routine, I get home from work. I start work very early in the morning. I'm home by like three, four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and by, you know, by seven o'clock, by the time that rolls around, I try to, you know, get dinner and all that settled away and hang out with the kids for a little bit. And then I kind of lock myself in and, and get ready for the game. I keep my my game notes going. I, I try to do I try to keep a box score. Uh, I kind of let that slip by the wayside last season. I just I stopped getting I didn't order my uh, my scorebook on time. And I just said, ah, screw it. So you're not obsessive like uh, Keith Hernandez is about his score sheets. No, no, no highlighters for me. Do you ever go out sort of socially to like a bar and watch a game? Is there a favourite bar that you go to to watch games? I know where this is going. You want to know about? You want to know what beer he drinks, don't you, Trace? Yes. <laughs> well, actually, um, I don't drink anymore. Uh, I, I, you know, I. Without getting too much into detail, I'm in recovery. I have been for a number of years, but uh, there is a local pub that I really enjoy going to, and it's actually an English-themed place. It's called Croxley's Ale House, and uh, they have just a wall of beers. And when my brother's in town, I will have a beer. And uh, sad to say, I, I just I enjoy a regular, I guess it's Sam Adams, uh, anything a lager, a darker lager. I kind of appreciate, but yeah, I, I still I can have one beer and, and enjoy it, but uh, I have to kind of cut myself off after that. Yeah, but it is good that you know your limits. So oh yes, very much so. <laughs> yeah, it took it took a while to get there, but yes, I found my limits. Yes. <laughs> I'm still working you, on that. <laughs> yes, um, we have a WhatsApp chat, and every afternoon at about four or five o'clock, David's like, oh, I'm trying this beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's life on lockdown at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. In fact, this I is can't... the first first podcast I've done dry. Oh. Ever. 
<laughs> it's all right. There's always next time, David. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a Mets cult hero? You know, the one that was really rubbish, but you loved him anyway. Oh, boy. So many mm. options. So many options. Um, I'll go with mediocre. And I, I, okay, you know what? I have one that everybody hates who I just adored, and I think he was more valuable than most people think. Um, that's Oliver Perez. And that's, that's, that's pre extension <laughs> Oliver Perez. After he signed okay. his extension here, things kind of fell apart. But yeah. I think yeah. his time before that kind of gets overshadowed. He was a really solid cog in whatever role he was kind of thrust into before that point. But uh, yeah, at some point, the wheels just fell off. Why <laughs> thought for like a fourth or fifth star, Oliver Perez was actually pretty durable. Oh, sure. You know, when you consider around the major leagues and the sort of the the weakness of some of the pitching on the back end of some of them rotations I mean I think he done okay for us oh most definitely and I could, I could say the same thing about John Main um, mm, John yes. Main had yeah. some very very strong starts for the Mets and I think he gets overshadowed and um, you know Pedro Martinez Tom Glavin uh, Orlando Hernandez El Duque was in the, in the rotation and you know John Main he was just kind of plugging right along yeah he, 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 was, he was a middle of the road type pitcher and yeah, yeah. See, I, I like them guys. underappreciated guys. Yeah. See, I love them guys as well. They just come in, they do their work, and then they go home again, and just come back the next day and do their work again. Whatever's called upon, they'll go and do it. Sure. I think Addison Reed was a, a big part of that 2015-2016 club mm. that, uh, yep. you know, kind of undersung hero. I wish they would have brought him back. Yeah, because like John Main and players like that were pitching when I first started following the Mets because I started in 2006. Oh, good year to start. Yeah, first game was September two thousand and six. Nice. That's a that's a good good season to start. That was a a very very fun year. Yeah, uh, first game was the, that I saw at Shea was um, against the Nationals, and Nick Johnson broke his thigh bone in the outfield. Oh, oh, I remember that. And when you said it, I just saw it in my head. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was gruesome. That was, was that, just gruesome. Was that the collision? No. Yes. No, he, oh yes, I'm sorry. He he ran into shallow right field. Yeah, against yeah. Uh, Austin Kearns. Oh my goodness. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty and, brutal from memory. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty damn brutal. That was gruesome, and I, uh, I think I think it was it was uh, Gary Cohen in the booth, and and he even uh, you could hear it in his voice. He was just um, yeah, shaking. Yeah, it's like he was just wanted to be ill or something. <laughs> we all did. <laughs> Thankfully, I've not seen that. No, oh, that's uh, gruesome one. Yeah, yeah. There, there, yeah. There's two there's two injuries that I've seen in sports that just have made me shiver, and that's one of them that I remember. The other is not even baseball related. It was in the final four. I think it was Michigan's the Wolverines was playing in the final four and the kid went up to uh, grab the basketball and he came down and his leg just crumbled yep. oh. below, below him just snapped completely and crumbled it was just yeah. the worst thing I'd ever seen there was oh, no yeah. contact involved but it was just awful oh just terrible and, and you know we've been kind of um I guess desensitized in America because we have American football, which I grew up adoring, but yeah. I'm not even ashamed to say it. The violence has kind of got to me after, after all these years, but that's another discussion for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, we've seen some, some very, very gruesome injuries in, in, in American football. And in 2013, I think it was, I also saw when Eric Young Jr. broke uh, the ankle of Tim Hudson when Tim Hudson was covering first base and yes. he ran over his foot. Yeah, I was there for that wow. as well. Wow, Jason. Hmm. You've got some you've got some memorable moments. Yeah. 
Yeah, you need yeah. to stay away from City Field. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's too many injuries. Please. Out. Obviously, the injuries have got to do with you. With our track record, please. <laughs> hey, it's the other team getting injured. It's not our team. Well, <laughs> cool. <laughs> No, you, weren't the, just... you weren't there the night Chase Utley um, ploughed into second base by any chance? Nah. Good. <laughs> I, I was up watching that game at ridiculous o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah same, same, yeah. Same here. <laughs> now, what, but... time, what time locally does a, a 7, 10 p.m. Eastern start? That's... What time does that air by you folks? Uh, mid, mid, midnight, 10 our time. Oh, yeah, okay. 10 past, 10 past cool. midnight. So sometimes when there's um, West Coast day game, sorry, night games on, I catch them as I'm getting up in the morning yeah. to get ready for work. It's not so bad. Usually for us, uh, a Saturday or a Sunday, when we've got a day game at, uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, which is 6 p.m., just perfect time over here. And we yeah. sort of all, sort of, sort of, as a community, sort of all watch the games over here and sort of have a yeah, watch cool. parties. So we've had... Well, if they get the season started and they have all these double headers, I'm sure you folks get a lot more yeah. opportunities yeah. to watch. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that if the season does take place, and obviously it's going to be different from any season we've ever seen, uh, if whatever team goes on to win the championship, the World Series, do you think that that'll be tainted? No. I think that maybe it'll be talked about for a little while, but um, mm -hmm. I think in the grand scheme of things, no. I, I don't think many people remember that the 1995 season was shortened after the strike. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think many people remember that the 1981 season was shortened. I don't think that discredits the Dodgers in any way. And uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. You it's can't still, be as bad as the Astros. It's still a lot of games, mm -hmm. isn't it? It's still a lot of games. And the if best it, team will come out on top. Yeah, if they could squeeze a hundred games in, I think that kind of you know, very it, it kind of gives the uh, the season a little more bit more more validity. Yeah, mm. it makes it a bit more legitimate mm. if it's a longer season. Yeah, and they're talking about expand the playoffs anyway. So I mean, if uh, even a team starts slow, they'll have every chance they hope to get back into it. Sure, I'm actually really interested to see these uh, these neutral sites if they if they uh, come to fruition. I think that would be interesting. I think that that could possibly be a thing moving forward. Yeah, um, it would have to be like a, I would imagine a covered stadium, so like the trot or Texas not Rangers. The trot. <laughs> <laughs> Will it be the most wonderful trot's ever seen? Oh no, it won't. Milwaukee yeah. <laughs> oh. is a good place for a, for a northern site to play games in. Oh sure, they've, they've got that um, uh, retractable wrist. Um, Los Angeles, I think that would be a very, very, yeah, a very nice spot because you know it's one of the. I think it is the oldest stadium in the league now. Yeah, um, it's certainly big enough to hold that capacity, and uh, yeah, well, there might be no fans there. So, oh yeah, at least they wouldn't show up to the third inning. <laughs> yeah, and go and gone by the seventh. <laughs> <laughs> Has there been a Mets team that's broken your heart? The ones that you thought would be amazing and weren't? Yeah, uh, well. yeah. it still stings that the 2006-2008 Mets didn't get a World Series. Yeah. Um, yeah. Over those three seasons, I believe that the Mets won the most uh, games in the National League over yes. the course of those three years. Mm -hmm. um, uh, 07, that collapse still, yeah, that, still kills me. That seven, me. Yeah, oh, seven me games. A seven-game lead? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's just too yeah. much. Yeah, and uh, even in the last day of the season, we still had the chance to tie for the division. And uh, I think we lost that final game, which was just so depressing. <laughs> yeah, and what, if they got in, the pitching was there, and the, and yeah. the offense was still, like, yeah. everybody was in their prime, and uh, just such a shame. 
And the last question that we have got is a bit of a doozy. Which current Met do you think would make a really good manager? Huh, that's a good question. Honestly, I I think Robinson Cano, and I'm not saying that he's going to be a manager. I just think that his knowledge of the game, at least from an outsider's perspective, is just elite. I think he's been around so many... um, upper echelon players whether it was with the yankees or in seattle and uh Mm -hmm. the experience that's there the the managers that he was around between tory and girardi and um we're gonna leave mickey calloway out of that one uh, (laughs) i I think i think cano would make a terrific manager although you know he's probably made so much money in his career that unless he really really has to stay in the game for personal reasons uh i I could see him just kind of riding off into the sunset once he's done yeah, it's very rare that a, a player that's basically when they're making that much money now would comes back and, and decides to manage the way they did in the old days. But uh, yeah, he would definitely be a guy that would have all the credentials and automatic uh, credibility in the clubhouse. I mean, he's done it all and seen it all. Oh, sure. And, you know, he's had the, um, there was the, you know, the little hiccup in his timeline with the, uh, with the performance enhancing drugs. And I'm sure it's going to take a lot for him to kind of shake that off, especially once Hall of Fame voting comes along. Cause without that, he's a shoe in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think even with that, he'll probably, um, if not come very close, he'll probably get in at some point. Cause just cause he's the benchmark for second baseman. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I really I, I I love his aspect of the game. Uh, I've respected him as a player for for many years. I'm not a Yankee hater. I watch the Yankees when I have to, and uh, <laughs> no, really, uh, there's a lot to respect there. As, as for all, yeah. the- I agree with that because I'm not a Yankee hater either. I think I grew up in the time when we never played them anyway, so it was never really a rival. <laughs> hey, we all uh, went to see them last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. didn't we? <laughs> Still want to beat them though. <laughs> oh sure, sure, and it's fun. I guess those first few years of the Subway Series were very exciting, but uh, yeah. that's kind of lost its luster over the years. Yeah, agreed. Although yeah. if uh, I say they, they, do, they do bring in this uh, realignment whereby we are in the same division or league or whatever, uh, to be actually playing against them for a division title or a playoff spot will be actually a very interesting element to watch. I think it could reignite the rivalry to a certain extent, yeah. maybe create some new storylines, what have you. And uh, hopefully from there, kind of keep that momentum going if they're going to continue uh, interleague play. Would it, would it not make New York a little bit more tense? The hate between the fans is bad enough, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> well, I think it'll be kind of throwback to that there, the Brooklyn-New York Giants rivalry. Mm. I mean, they, they oh, actually sure. played each other 22 times a season back in the from the up to 1958 till they moved. Uh, mm. So I mean, that was as intense as it got. Oh sure, and even after they left, I mean, my grandfather was a New York Giants fan, um, very strong New York Giants fan. And once everybody left, and they had that gap between you know 1958 and 1962 with no New York National League team, uh, he refused to watch to, to to root for the Yankees. Just wouldn't do it. So yeah. nope. <laughs> I've heard stories, and no, yeah, he um he stopped talking to his brothers. His brothers are like, "Come on, come root for the Yankees. It's baseball." He said, "I won't do it." Yeah, I, I, I heard a lot of stories like that over the years. The, the people that were either Dodger fans or they're Giants fans, and uh, they just refused to to go and see the Yankees. <laughs> just just <Yeah>. point blank. 
Yeah, and then once the Mets came along, of course, he embraced him, and he always had a, a, an affinity for the Giants, and uh, I guess when they won in 2010, he had just passed away, and that mm-hmm. was kind of special for me. And I'm like, yeah. oh, he would have been so happy. Like, even though the Dodgers uh, were, were in Brooklyn long before I was even born, I still, for some reason, have this slight affinity to them for that reason for Brooklyn, and I just love that whole history. Uh, it's part of what being beloved of the game was uh, reading about the Dodgers back in the day and so on. Uh, and always watching them old war movies there's always some guy and it was really for the Dodgers and we're worried about what the Dodgers are doing back in Brooklyn and that kind of thing <laughs> growing up so it's always sort of twigged as part of my baseball uh, memory if you know what I mean oh sure uh, you and Fred Wilpon you guys have that in common you guys yeah. have an affinity to the Dodgers <laughs> yeah. well there you go <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's a good thing I have too much in common with, with Fred Wilson, but I'll, I'll, I'll take that one <laughs> hey you know guys again I, I'll reiterate for all of their faults as owners there's no doubting they love this team more than anything just maybe yeah. they're not the best suited to be running the business anymore yeah uh, that, that's a pretty fair comment, yeah. I think. Yeah. Time, I think so. Times are ready to change, I think. I've been a little hard on them in the past, but I guess I get it. Because I mean, if you think about it, over the years, like we've won, we won the pennant a couple of years ago, uh, got to the World Series in 2000. We were contenders for a lot of years in between that. A lot of teams didn't even get that close to them things. Although we're a New York team, we should be contending every year. But you've got to think of a lot of franchises never even got close to contending during them periods of time. So, I mean, you've got to thank them a wee bit for that. Oh, sure. And I think that, um, you know, they, all things considered, considering the uh, financial constraints they've been under for all these years now, um, you know, I have to believe, again, it's our motto, you got to believe, uh, <laughs> that, that they really tried to do their best with the hand that they have right now. And, yeah. you know, I hope that's the truth. I really do. Yeah, I think we have to believe that as fans because if we don't, then you're down a very dark place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You are. <laughs> so, any questions for us before you disappear? Um, you know, I, I, I kind of want to know. Do you guys like? How do you explain to folks? Because again, it's not a prominent sport over there. Do you guys get like strange looks from friends when you tell them yes. or when they realize yes. how, how into baseball you are? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it sounds like you wear it with a badge of honor. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, it gets compared to rounders here, which is a game we yeah. played in sort of school as kids. And it's like, no, it is not rounders. Don't talk like that. <laughs> my, my nearest and dearest still calls it rounders, but I keep reminding her, no, this is baseball. <laughs> yes. A lot different, a lot harder, a lot more strategy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Is, is, cricket, is cricket very popular over there? Yeah, cricket yeah. So would be yeah. our national summer sport. So, yeah, it's it would be in the kin with baseball, I suppose, in the States, as so the NFL and uh, MLB, uh, Premier League, and cricket over here would be that way. Yeah, like I've tried to I've tried to wrap my head around it. It's very confusing at first glance. Yeah, but, um, it seems like the kind of the basics are there. Yeah, uh, the similarities. Yeah. The similarities, yeah. you should say. Well, I mean, the, the game rounders that uh, Tracy was talking about that was basically baseball only without uh, hundred men on our fastballs. Underarm. Oh, yeah, it's all underarm. It was pretty basic stuff. You had four bases, you ran around them, and so it was. Yeah, it's, it was, it's more like softball. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very similar to what softball would be in the states. Uh, okay. But we, uh, it was ingrained in our youth because it was a game you played at school, so it was there. Always has been there. Yeah. So there was that slight foundation in the sport over here. See, for me, yeah, cricket seems very competitive, and um, 
I guess just with the uh, the similarities with the pitching and uh, the high speed, uh, it's just it, it seems like a very fun game. I'd love to learn more about it. The problem is you cricket these days. There's that many different versions. I think there's three different versions of the game now. Is there uh, really? See, yeah, I don't even know that. Yeah, there's there's a five day test match. Uh, uh, you say five days? Yeah, mm. five days. My uh, goodness. Basically, the teams get two innings. I'll not go into the detail, obviously. And it can still uh, be a draw after five days. Yeah, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do draws. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the uh, one-day cricket, which is basically just takes a day. Each team gets 50 overs each, which is 50 sets of six balls, and then whoever team scores the highest runs wins. And the other one's uh, T20 cricket, which is basically just three hours, probably very close to baseball, where it's... Uh, basically hit the ball as hard as you can and run alright so that's that would be the, the closest to, to baseball in yep. fact it probably took its origins from baseball because you wanted a version of cricket over here that was a lot faster and quicker and sort of to get fans in and out of grounds and get more people in so uh, they have definitely taken a lot of things from baseball I tend to only watch international cricket I admit yeah I think most people do nowadays it's very the, the, the county cricket scene over here would be very be quite low, wouldn't it, these days? Yeah, it'd, it'd be more like high A ball if you wanted to give it a comparison, I think. Yeah, okay. yeah, that'd be right. Yeah. It's still entertaining. I'd love to, I'd certainly love to see more of it in the States. I'm, I'm more of a rugby girl myself. Oh, yeah, that's, that's some hardcore sporting right there. <laughs> yeah. No pads over here. <laughs> yeah, that is, um, yeah, uh, you know. And, you know, I have a theory, and, and I don't want to get too far off the tangent. I know you guys probably, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but... No, go now, for it. <laughs> the violence the violence is associated with American football. Everybody sees it. Uh-huh. I, in my head, and this is my theory, if you took American football players and made the pads smaller, made the helmets smaller, I don't think they would use their bodies as weapons to a certain extent. I think it would be more traditional tackling as you see in rugby where sure there's going to be injuries. It's, it's rugby, <laughs> but yeah. I don't think you see the same level of, um, uh, of brain injuries because guys aren't using their heads as weapons. Um, it's interesting, interesting to say that actually, because, uh, just lately, if you ever saw me on NFL teams, we've been bringing in rugby coaches to actually teach, uh, the method of tackling properly around the waist and around the legs, as opposed to the hitting that the NFL players were actually doing. That's what we learned. I was yeah. uh, I, I started playing tackle football when I was six years old. My father got me into it, and I loved it. And that's the first thing they taught us was how to tackle. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, it did not it did not have anything to do with with lowering your head and crushing yep. somebody. Mm-hmm. You got to wrap them up. And somewhere along the way, we lost that. And yeah, I think we have a lot to learn from rugby. And, and you even see as well, actually, that a lot of American football influences in rugby because. Uh, just as late over here, there's been a lot of emphasis put on uh, head injuries in rugby, uh, whereby mm-hmm. players have to go in and get uh, the concussion tests and all the same as what happens in the NFL uh, if there's a head injury. So, I mean, you, you see a lot of crossover now, especially with the lawsuits and everything that's involved with these things now. Uh, all the sports are definitely going to have to be a lot safer. In rugby, certainly in international rugby, um, they have sensors sewn into their uniforms so you can see how hard they're hit and things like that. Oh, the NFL would never let us see that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they know better. Yeah. yeah. But um, one of my friends said something once that rugby is a, a game for thugs played by gentlemen. Huh. 
Yeah, that, is, that is a very nice way to put it. I like that. And, and the soccer is a game for gentlemen played by thugs. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, but, soccer, soccer the, the, big, the biggest rap here for all those years was that, oh, soccer is soft. If you watch soccer for, uh, uh, you know, watch two games, you're going to see that. That's not a soft game whatsoever. No. Uh, it was a lot, lot of physicality than it used to be. Oh, it's a lot of, oh, I'm sure. Oh, I could only yeah. imagine. It's like uh, hockey. It's funny. It used to be a free-for-all. Yeah, it's even over here in this West lockdown. One of the, I suppose, the positives of the lockdown is that there's a lot of old sport on, and uh, our sports channels over here are showing a lot of old soccer games from the seventies and eighties, and and you want to see the tackles and that compared to nowadays. Things you would get arrested for uh, <laughs> <laughs> nowadays was happening every every other tackle in them games. <laughs> but like in rugby, the players treat the referees and things with respect. They call them sir when they're talking to them and yeah. stuff like that, which but I don't think you would ever see in the NFL. There's, there's, oh, no. there's, no, there's no asses in jackpots in rugby. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, 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 I'm an umpire for Little League Baseball here. And... And, oh, I get from the kids, from the parents, uh, there's no respect there. <laughs> Absolutely oh, really? not. Oh, no, no, no. The, the, worst. the parents are worse than the kids, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, I can imagine. Like, some kid's grandfather just just absolutely reamed me out from the stands one day. <laughs> I, I, had to, like, I had to ask him to leave. He was just... Yeah, really, he was. Um, they take it very seriously. Yeah, we <laughs> try to call balls yeah. and strikes here, dude. <laughs> exactly. Who, who has a better angle, sir? Me behind the plate, or you in the stands? <laughs> and let's face it, they're like four foot tall. These strike zones—they're going to be small. <laughs> oh, and they, they don't want to hear that. No, <laughs> <laughs> the games will Hernandez they don't play every time. <laughs> exactly. Things can get quite heated. It's actually funny. Just the sort of going on the tangent here. The London series. Like Last year, one of the most memorable moments I remember from that was when they were announcing the umpires, and uh, there was like, no real noise from the crowd. And they announced Angel Hernandez's name, and everybody booed in unison. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows Angel. <laughs> it was it was transatlantic at that point. <laughs> so, Tim, if our listeners wanted to find you, where would they find you? Oh, okay. I'm on Twitter, and that's at Timothy R Ryder. That's uh, R Y D E R. Uh, you find me there. I don't really do Instagram. Um, I believe that I do have an Instagram account. It's at uh, Tim Ryder MMO, but I barely use it. But uh, yeah, check check me out on Twitter. Uh, again, check out the, the the podcast. Simply amazing. We're on Apple uh, and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll find us. Fantastic! Brilliant. Well, yeah. Thank you so yeah. so much for joining yeah, thank us. Thank you. You've been uh, an absolute pleasure. Say hello to everyone and mesmerize for us. I will, and thank you guys so much for having me. This was so much fun. That's oh, cool. Thank, Thank you, you Tim. Tim. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Have a nice weekend. Cheers. Be safe. You too. Stay Thank safe. You. Bye Thank now. you. Take Cheers. care, Tim. Bye bye. So, guys, that was Tim Ryder that was joining us from Mesmerized and Simply Amazing. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And as ever, if you do want to find us, you can find us at UK Mets Online on Twitter. And we've got all our bios on there. So feel free to follow us. We don't bite unless your name's Joe. She bites only if you ask nicely. <laughs> and we're all desperately looking that. forward to some more baseball sometime soon. Yes. Stay safe, guys. And yeah. we'll speak to you soon. Yeah.